Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. And this morning, we're going to continue a series we've been in for several weeks now entitled Simplify. And we've been looking at this incredible challenge from Jesus. Really, it's him sharing a secret with us, how to live a life with less stress, less anxiety, and how to increase peace, how to increase focus, how to increase our capacity to love other people, especially hard to love people, how to love God more. If we do what he challenges us in this one invitation, it literally can change every aspect of who we are as a human being. So let's take a look at that invitation one more time. It's found in the gospel of Matthew chapter 11, starting with verse 28. And here's what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, and ever, was there, has there ever been a time when we are more in need of something to relieve our weariness and burdenness than right now on planet Earth. It is a time where we need to lean into this promise, this invitation, this command more than ever before. And that's what we've been doing over these last several weeks is trying to unpack this idea of what is Jesus' easy yoke, this idea of him teaching us how we live every single day as apprentices of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, in a way that is easy, that it doesn't cripple us and break us down and make us feel like we're just barely making it, which is how most people feel. And the question I want us to ask this morning, and maybe you've been asking this too, is this sounds great, Will, but what makes this so difficult? This is hard. This doesn't seem to be quite so easy for me all the time. And part of the reason, a big part of the reason why it is so difficult is this one little word, desire. And we talked about this last week. Desire is not all bad. Desire gets us out of the bed in the morning. Desire is what pushes us towards goals and to do great things and put food on the, fam- food on the table for our family. It, it inspires us, it helps us. But also, if at any point this word desire goes from something that you control to becoming the driver of your life, then you and I are in trouble. The moment that desire is driving our life. Because here's what we know about desire. Desire is never, ever satisfied. We looked at last week, theologians, philosophers, poets all agree that desire is infinite. It just keeps on going and going and going. And here's the big problem. You and I, we're not infinite. We are finite. We all have limitations. We spent one of our weeks talking about all the limitations that you and I have to work with, and God knows about them, and he has a way for us to work around these limitations. But because we are finite, it causes us to be restless if we don't handle these desires properly. It's this restlessness of our heart, that unmet desires, desires that begin to fix themselves on things that are not healthy, not good, that are destructive to your life and to my life. And so 
The question that we come to, we, we asked this last week, we're gonna ask it again. Is there a practice from the way of Jesus, from the, the leading of Jesus through the, his practices and his spiritual disciplines that, we could, that could save us from this restlessness, that we could learn from him? And of course, you already know the answer. It is a resounding yes, of course there is. And it's summed up in one word, the Sabbath. A Sabbath is literally a Hebrew word uh, pronounced Shabbat. And it is a word that means to stop or to delight. Talked about this a little bit last week. It is one day in seven where we stop. We stop working. We stop wanting. We stop worrying. We stop shopping. We stop doing everything. We just stop. We give our souls what our souls longs for. Rest before God. Time to worship time to rest, to just replenish. It's the thing that deep down our souls long for. And what's beautiful here is that this idea of Sabbath was something that Jesus practiced every seven days of his life. It was woven into the fabric of his routine every single week of his life. That he was showing us that God has put this rhythm of grace in the universe, and if you respect it, you flourish as a human being. You fight against it, you'll find yourself fighting against your own soul and even against God himself if you fight against it. But he's trying to help us to see that it, is, it, that it is a practice for us to begin to slow down. But if we could be brutally honest, there's something inside us that fights it. Even when you hear me talk about right now that we should be respecting a Sabbath, one in seven days. There's part of you go, I don't know if I have the time. I just don't think I can do that. I don't know. There's something that pushes back on that. It's this restlessness, this, I don't know if I can get it all done. I don't know if I can, I don't know, I don't know. And it's this unmet desires, this desires that are starting to get fixed on the wrong things. And it makes us say, I don't think I can do that. And and we push back, push back, push back. This is why, and this is gonna sound kind of crazy. God eventually, in the Old Testament, several thousand years before Jesus, he commands it. He commands a Sabbath. He says, I command you to rest and to worship. Now, this is kind of odd, isn't it? That's almost kind of weird. That's like commanding a day at the beach. It's like commanding live music. It's like commanding ice cream for everybody, right? Like, why would he need to command it? We should already want this. We should gravitate towards it. But this is exactly what God did. And what I want to do is look at two of the most important commands in the Bible about the Sabbath. There's lots of commands in the Bible about Sabbathing, but we're going to look at the two most important ones. And, and more importantly, what those commands mean for us today. Like, what is it, what should we be doing in response to those things today? What could we learn from those things today? And we're going to dive into the first one that's going to be in Exodus 20. Before we do that, though, let me give you a little context for this verse. So, the Israelite people, they had just been emancipated from slavery in Egypt. God used this man named Moses. I bet you've heard of Moses, right? Pretty big, famous guy in the Bible. He uses Moses to go down there. He does 10 plagues, 10 big miracles, gets Pharaoh's attention. Pharaoh says, go ahead, take your people, get out of here. And they're free. 
for the first time in 430 years, they're not slaves. They're free. They go into the wilderness, and God says, okay, here's what's about to happen. I'm going to make you into a holy nation. You're going to be my people now. You're going to represent me to the whole rest of the world. And ultimately, through you, I'm going to lead all these people to me. And we're gonna have, I'm going to have a relationship with these people. Ultimately, that's my plan. But he knew that these people were kind of scratching their heads saying, okay, so what does that mean to be God's holy nation, to be God's people? <laughs> we need something to go on. God knew they needed some kind of a manifesto. So he gives them 10 commandments through Moses. And what's interesting is that in these 10 commandments, there's one in particular that's larger than all the rest. As a matter of fact, if you put the 10 commandments in a pie chart, this one command would probably take up about 30% of the pie chart, okay? It's, it's a pretty big command, right? It's command number four. And we find it in Exodus chapter 20, starting with verse eight. And here's what God commands. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. He said, I want you to slow down. First of all, I want you to remember the Sabbath. You know, the reason he's saying remember, I want you to remember the Sabbath is because we so easily forget and we get sucked up into the speed of life and we go, 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 go until the margin of our life becomes smaller and smaller and smaller until some of us feel like, I don't know if I have any margin. Like, I feel like I'm on the edge of being a crazy person. I, my schedule is insanity. <laughs> And I feel it in my body. I feel the anxiety. I feel the stress. It's just, there's no stopping. And God is trying to help us to remember that life comes to us as a gift. It's a gift. It's not something that should grind you into the ground and, and slowly kill you because you're trying to do so much more than you're even capable of because you are a limited person and so am I. But that we need to remember Remember that God's saying, I want you to slow down. And there's some incredible things I want you to remember in this process. I want you to remember that in seven days, one in seven days, I want you to learn how to rest. This is so critical. And here's a great, uh, a great thing to remember. That the Sabbath is a day of two things, primarily. Rest and worship. Rest and and worship. Very important that we remember that. A day of rest and worship. Now, when we often think of worship, we think of, well, when we come together at church and we sing worship music, we sing praise songs, that is an excellent expression of worship. But it is not the only one. I want to broaden your understanding of worship today. I want you to be able to see that worship is all-encompassing. It is a whole heart orientation towards God saying I just want to bring my desires that tend to get fixed on all kinds of other things and accomplishments and achievements in this life and uh, accumulations of things I want to bring it all back in its proper place and put it on you God it is looking for ways to put to focus on God so that our heart engages with gratitude before God for who he is and what he has done so incredibly important. And it's also important to make the distinction that a Sabbath isn't the same thing as a day off, all right? I, and I'll be honest, I, for a long time, used to confuse these things. Oh, this is my Sabbath. 
A, a day off is different from a Sabbath because a day off is the day that you do all the work you don't get paid for, okay? It's the day that you do the yard work and you run the errands and you pay the bills and you, uh, you go shopping and it, all good stuff, right? Like that's all, that's part of life. But those things don't add up to a Sabbath. Those things don't add up to a Sabbath. Now, you may be saying, well, Will, what if you've got little kids? Like, we have little kids. How do we ever have a Sabbath? If you've got little kids, you've ever been around little kids all day long, it's hard to have a Sabbath. I'll tell you what Leslie and I used to do when when our girls were little. We would take turns with the girls so that each of us could have time alone, quiet with the Lord. Now, that might be 15 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour or something, but you know, let the other person know so they're not just like indefinitely, you're gone for the rest. Of, I've been with the Lord for the last 16 hours. Okay, well, yeah, okay, that sounds great, but um, I've been here with the kids. Anyway, you need to set those expectations, but take turns, but then when you are together as a family, enjoy those kids. Enjoy your family. Don't put a bunch of restrictions and don't put a bunch of like scheduling things and we got to get everybody ready. We got to get out the door and we got to get here and there. Man, that robs the Sabbath day of its joy. (laughs) I would say stop. Slow down. Get down on their level. Have fun with, just enjoy them. I know it's cliche to say it because this time with them being small goes so fast. It will, it does, it goes so fast. I know people tell you that all the time. You're like, I'm tired of hearing that. I've been quarantined with these kids for the last several months. I've had lots of quality time and and I get it, but also make time just to enjoy them. Have fun together with them. So when it comes to the Sabbath, let me give you a good grid, a good question to run things through. Like, is this a good Sabbath worthy thing to, to be doing? So here's a simple question to ask. Is it rest or is it worship? Is this rest or is this worship? And I love this. It's just simple. It's like, does this create gratitude in my heart towards God for who he is and what he does for me? Just time to just focus on God. Put my desire. Tell God, my desire is for you, God. Above everything else, There's a lot of other things that try to promise what only you can give, but I am not gonna be fooled by that. I'm gonna put my desires on you, it is a way of doing that. And here, I just want you to see this. That, that out of this command, these are the two things he's talking about. One in seven days, stop. Shabbat, don't work. So there's the rest. And then it is a day, a Sabbath day. That is a day that is dedicated to or set apart for the Lord. It's a day of worship. That's what worship is, is to focus on the Lord. I love these two categories. They're so big and broad and spacious and free and non-legalistic. It's just like God. He's just going, worship is huge and rest is a very big category too. And how you want to apply them is really up to you. Like it, it is a huge, giant category for application and I love it that it's not this restrictive legalistic thing that you could only do it like this or you do it wrong the way the Pharisees treated it in the New Testament but this was God's way of approaching this now I love this because this was the way that God represents this day as he first introduces it in Exodus but then we take a shift about 40 years later from Exodus 20 over to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Before I dive into this, let me give you a little context for it. So this is 40 years later. 
From the time that the Israelites first leave Egypt, and now they've been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, a whole lot of events happened in there. I'm not going to cover all that today. But then at the end of the 40 years, they're literally on the banks of the Jordan River about to go into the promised land. And, And in that moment, God tells Moses, I want you to give the Ten Commandments one more time to this brand new generation. It's 40 years later. This is a whole new generation of of kids uh, that are now adults that may not remember the commandments. And he gives the command one more time with a subtle shift. Let's see if you can pick on it. See if you can pick up on it. What is different about this? This is from, um, oh, pardon me. Let's let's finish Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. We're told, um, let's go back up to that verse. It, It says, for in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but the, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy, that God is showing us that there is this rhythm to all of creation that he made, and he wants us to respect it. He wants us to move in these rhythms, and when we do, we flourish as human beings. So now, let's jump into Deuteronomy chapter 5. Here's how Deuteronomy chapter 5 begins. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. Did you notice the difference? It's that very first word, isn't it? The first one, the first command says to remember the Sabbath. The second says to observe the Sabbath. Now, not a huge difference, but a little bit different. How do we observe the Sabbath? That's a good question to ask. We observe the Sabbath the same way we observe Christmas. How do you observe Christmas? Well, you, you gear up for it. You plan for it. You make it special, right? You, you set aside time to celebrate it with your family. It, 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 this is a great way to think about the Sabbath, that the Sabbath should be kind of like Christmas without all the stress and family drama. How do you like that? One in seven days that you have a day just to relax and be with your family and just read a book and be with God and worship and to enjoy the day. Go for a walk, catch your breath, and let your life sort of rest for just a moment. And God's saying, and you don't need to feel guilty about this because this is the way I created you to live. So important. And then what's interesting is that this, there's a shift. The, most of the rest of the, 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 uh, the uh, command here is pretty much the same until we get to the end in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. And here's what he says at the end. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, this is really interesting. It's a huge shift here at the end. Instead of going to creation, he goes to slavery. He goes back to their story as being slaves. Now, let me just make this distinction really quick because the Sabbath command in Exodus is grounded in the creation story, okay? But Deuteronomy is different. Deuteronomy's command for the Sabbath is grounded in the Exodus story. This first one basically is saying, I just want you to see I have built this rhythm of grace into the entire universe, that the entire universe has this syncopated rhythm One in seven days, one in seven days, rest, 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 
you've been built to want this and you need it and without it you start to fall apart okay and then the second one he's saying it's grounded in the exodus story don't you ever forget you used to be slaves you used to be slaves now why on earth would he make such a dramatic shift to this new generation that's about to go into the promised land well because this new generation of israelites were the first generation in hundreds and hundreds of years that grew up in freedom. Their parents had been slaves. Their grandparents had been slaves. Their great-grandparents had been slaves in an Egyptian system that literally devoured human beings to satisfy their desire, there's our word again, desire for more and more and more and more. And in Exodus chapter 1, I believe it's verse 11, we're told they have two store cities. These are store cities just to store all the wealth they can't hold at their house, right? This is the Egyptian way of life. Like we want more and more and more and more, and we're willing to do whatever and have and work however, whoever to get it. They, they built an empire. They built a system, an economic system that says you as a human being only have value and worth insofar as you are able to produce sod bricks for us to build our pyramids and all of these beautiful edifices all over our city. In other words, you are, your value, your, your uh, you know, worth as a human being comes from what you produce, what you earn. It's what you accomplish and what you accumulate in your life. Now, some of you may say, wow, this is sounding a little close to home, right? It's what you value, it's, it, it's, what you, uh, it's your accomplishment and your accumulation in this life. The problem with a system like that is there are no days off in that system. There are no Sabbaths. It literally makes slaves of everybody because you can't stop. You feel guilty if you do, and, and, or you feel like, well, my value, my importance within the system is gonna start to slide every day I'm not working and not producing, not amassing, not accumulating. <gasps> I need to get back to work, I need to get back to work, I need to get back to work. Slavery, that's how it feels. Now this is very really interesting that that Old Testament Egyptian slave system is still very much with us right down to this day in our culture today, right here in the US of A. And it is, we, we still live with a system where we're tended, we tend to look at ourselves and other people and value ourselves and other people based on our accomplishments and our accumulation, what we have and what we've accomplished, what we have and what we accomplish. And it's very hard to pull back from that kind of a system. And it makes us get on a hamster wheel of never feeling like we can take a break, that we can pull back, that we can be able to catch our breath. And what was interesting is that just like in the Egyptian time period of him having store cities, well, Today in our world, we, are, we have an insatiable appetite for more as well. More to eat, more things, more clothes to own, more devices to own, more experiences to have. We want more, 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 more. And just like the Egyptians have these store cities, we have store cities today too. We don't call them store cities, we call them store edge units. 
right? In our society today, storage units in North America, you may know this, in America, it's a $38 billion industry annually. $38 billion a year. It's just over 3 point, or pardon me, 2.3 billion square feet that we are renting out to put our stuff in. If you do the math, that is roughly just over seven square feet per American in this country. We could literally, this is crazy, right? This is, we literally, we could practically house our entire nation in our storage units. I'm telling you, Pharaoh would love the good old U.S. of A., the system that we have adopted. And God is trying to help us to see that the Sabbath is an act of rebellion against Pharaoh and his empire that is still with us today. We think, oh my gosh, we're so much more sophisticated. In some ways we are. But we also continue to do this to ourselves and don't ever let ourselves have a rest. Don't ever let ourselves take a break. Because of that, we suffer because of it. And God is trying to help us to see today that when we take a step back from that system, it brings freedom. It it allows us to breathe because this materialistic system will never ever be able to deliver. It will never be able to deliver what our heart really longs for. It's so beautiful because when we take a Sabbath, God is showing us it's a way of stepping back from the system saying, no, I'm not gonna play by those rules. I'm not gonna participate in that. I'm gonna rebel against it. I'm gonna step back and to make sure I don't ever become a slave again or even worse become a slave driver to other people because I'm living according to a system that tells me my value and their value only is equated to accomplishment and accumulation and God's saying step back from that there needs to be a point in which we draw a line in the sand and we say okay enough I got enough stuff I got, I've been blessed with enough. I don't need another pair of shoes. I don't need another toy to put in the garage. I don't need another you fill in the blank. Whatever that is, I'm good. I need to just step back and enjoy what I've already been blessed with. Enjoy who I've already been blessed with. God's saying that's what Sabbath should be about. You, you have so much and you don't have any idea because you don't remember. We forget, we don't observe, we don't we remember. We, we have amnesia. When it comes to this, God's saying, I know you do. That's the way humans are. And that's why I'm telling you, Sabbath is freedom. It will simplify your life and it'll keep you from going crazy, especially in days like we are in now, when there is so much pressure and so much change and so much everything. And I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm saying there are a lot of it we need to do. I'm just saying it is time for us to take this Sabbath break to be with God, connect with him, commune with him, be with our friends and family. You see, God offers us everything materialism promises but can never deliver on, namely contentment. Your heart is longing for this. All those desires and restlessness in your heart that you think, oh, if I could just get, if we could just, if this could be, oh gosh, if I could just have... 
The contentment your heart longs for is not going to be found in those things. I'm just telling you, this world will never be able to satisfy that in my heart or yours. It is only through what God offers to us in those quiet times, the Aramos we talked about a few weeks ago, those quiet places with him of pulling back and resting and being with the Lord, so powerful. And without a time to rest and worship God, our desires will drive us to restlessness and slavery once more. And this doesn't matter how much money you got. You can still be a slave and be a millionaire. And you can have near no money and be as free as a person can be. This is the beautiful, like, ultimate equalizer that Jesus is saying. You don't have to be rich to do this. You don't have to be, you just have to be intentional. You just have to step back and you have to plan for it and you have to, to make it happen. It's so incredibly important to be able to remind, to be reminded that, that you can have one in seven days where God is saying, pull back and remember that you are loved, you are cared for, that you are valuable, you are worth something, not because of what you accomplish and what you accumulate. You are loved by God. God loves you simply because you are his child. That's it. He just loves you because of who you are. And this is what he was trying to get the Israelites to remember, is that you were in a system that you were only loved because you were only valuable because of what you produced. And you need to be reminded one in seven days that it doesn't matter how much or what you produce, you're still loved. God doesn't love you conditional upon what you do. He loves you unconditionally. And this day helps us to remember that. Now today, if you're here and you say, I'm not sure I am a child of God. If you've never come to that place of placing your faith in Jesus Christ and asking him into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Jesus told us in John chapter 1, verse 12, the gospel of John, he says, to all who did receive him, him Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Today, it simply comes down to you <clears throat> placing your faith in Jesus, saying, Jesus, I trust you for the forgiveness of my sin. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life to lead me from this day forward. I trust in you. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that in our prayer in just a moment. But I just wanna invite everybody can hear my voice this morning to begin to make this rest, the Sabbath rest, a regular part of your life and to hear Jesus' calling to you right here, right now, today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus promises this. Will you come to him? Will you trust him? Will you follow him? He says, come and learn from me Learn from me. So important. Here's our prayer of application. I'm asking you to pray with me, simply saying, Jesus, I commit to practice your Sabbath rest. My desire is to remember the joy and delight of just being your child, free of the performance-based system of this world. Man, I'm telling you, there are some of you that need to latch on to this, and this will be a game changer for your life and ultimately for your children someday. Because you don't realize it, but there are some of that slave driver that tends to creep its way up into us as parents at times. 
It's so important that they know they're loved unconditionally, just the same way God loves us. And right now, today, I just want to encourage you to take that next step, wherever you are. Maybe it's the next step is beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to become a child of God today, and today you can. Asking Christ into your life to forgive sin, to be the Lord of your life. And maybe it's that you're already a child of God, but you're saying, I haven't been practicing this. Honestly, I'm kind of doing a day off, but it's not really much rest, and uh, I'm not sure I'm doing it. You want to get more intentional about this and really connect with God? It takes time. Give yourself grace. It's not going to be perfect the first time or even the first month. It's going to take some time to get, to get used to it, but I just want to encourage you to make this a regular part of your life and your family. Do it together. You may have to do it by yourself at first and, and to... to uh, talk some people into trying it with you but it is a game changer once again thanks for listening if you live in the Brazos Valley we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services for directions service times and information about our fabulous children's and student environments visit us at brazosfellowship.com that's brazosfellowship.com